Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right. What a dream preview covering a bunch of different sports. Not only Super Bowl 54 recap. Oh, by the way, uh, Best Bets did quite well as far as Super Bowl prop bets. Ask Steve Fezzik. He'll tell you any, any day on the street. On top of it, we're talking XFL, Major League Baseball, college football, college basketball, the NBA, all of it's covered and more. But before you get into it, guys, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. That is what NetSuite by Oracle has set out to solve. Because most companies just don't have a clear picture of their finances, and that's why many businesses fail. The question for any business owner out there is, Are you confident that you've got the right numbers at your fingertips? We talk about how important it is to have the right information and not having bad information when it comes to sports betting. And you got to admit, serious entrepreneurs and finance teams run by NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite offers a full picture of all your finances all in one place in real time, right from your phone or your desktop. There's no more guessing. There's no more worry that you don't know what could kill your company. That's why NetSuite customers grow three times, three times faster than the S&P 500, and you can too. You can schedule your free demo right now and receive their free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits. That's the name of the guide at NetSuite.com slash dream. That's netsuite.com slash dream. You can set up your free demo and get your free guide today at netsuite.com slash dream. netsuite.com slash dream. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. Dream Preview post Super Bowl 54 edition. I am Brad Powers, filling in for RJ Bell, taking a personal day, a much deserved personal day. Steve Fezzik. In the house alongside of me. Not only on this podcast will we, a majority of it, talk Super Bowl recap. Not only the bets, but what happened. What are our you know, prognosis is for both teams moving forward. Some Super Bowl future odds as far as already odds on the 2020 football season. But we'll also talk some XFL. That's right. Welcome to the XFL. You got to get that phlegm. Do you remember that? You don't know what that is. Do he you? hate Pez. me. He hate me, but I mean that was Vince McMahon when he did that. You know, he was here in Vegas. You Pez. sound like Michael Buffer when you did that. Uh, we'll see. So uh, here's what we'll be talking about: not only uh, Super Bowl Fifty Four, XFL. We will, believe it or not, talk a little baseball. Mookie Betts big trade to the Dodgers. Fez has the inside info on that. We got a best bet from Dave Esler NBA action. We got a best bet from Brad Powers, college basketball action. Big game over the weekend, North Carolina Duke. That's coming your way here at the end of the podcast. And Fezzik with a baseball best bet concerning that Mookie Betts trade. 
But before we get to any of this, hey, I said, yeah, there you go. Hold on. Let's start the clock. This is going to be an hour of power or the power hour, whatever you want to call it. And it starts right now. Put the clock on. And we got to listen to from Mr. Flair. Showtime. Woo. All right, Fez. So Kansas City, right around a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They beat the San Francisco 49ers, Super Bowl 54, 31-20. Total gets a big action on game day going under the total. That line came down a point and a half. Before we talk any of this, though, let's just talk game-specific. What did you see in the game? How did Kansas City mount the big comeback? Well, I think you got to give the San Francisco defense a whole lot of credit, let's face it, for 53 minutes. They hold Kansas City to 10 points. Haven't seen Kansas City's offense stopped really the whole year. So I was very impressed with the San Francisco defense. I have to ask, though, what did we see from that San Francisco defense? This was The Super Bowl was eerily similar to their regular season, where it was so good the first half of the year, that defense, and then it looked like it ran out of gas and got tired. Oh, come on. I'm not buying that. You're not buying that. I'm not buying that. First, they, play, they, didn't, they had a week off. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, how tired can you be? You give up 10 points oh in God, 53 minutes, three and then you give up in, three games in five weeks, and you're so tired. You give up one touchdown Ugh. the entire game, and then the final three di- drives touchdown, 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 Brad Powers. And, and, and one, you know, set up a major, almost, you know, the cornerback, you know, took the wrong direction in his own defense coverage. I mean, that was the one. That was the Tyreek Hill play, third and 15. That was really the play because it was freezing. That was yeah. third and 15. Yep. San Francisco has a 94% chance of winning the Super Bowl. There's about eight minutes to play. Kansas State's going to have to punt if they don't pick up that at least half the yardage there. So looking back on it, how, how often does KC convert a third and 15 there? Maybe 12% of the time, 15? Certainly not 20%. So that was, uh, that, that was the play, so to speak. Let me ask you this, because I'll play the role of RJ, but I'll be a little tough on you. Don't we in today's modern age of football? I'll talk from a college perspective. At the end of the game scenarios, don't we see normally teams go back and forth? Even teams with really strong defenses, like in Alabama, I remember these Alabama Clemson games. Teams just going, you know, blow for blow, score for score. When it really matters in that fourth quarter, don't we see that? It, was that really on the 49ers defense getting tired? Or is that just the way the game's played now? Well, where was the back and forth when San Francisco had the ball and they couldn't get it done at all against Kansas City's defense then? Mm. All right. Kansas City's defense didn't get tired, did they now? They didn't, or was it just, you know, Jimmy G, that we don't have that same narrative of Jimmy G hits a, a pass, uh, you know, a big pass down the middle on third and 10 where he had an open wide receiver. See, my, my whole takeaway was, and we'll get into it, uh, obviously the bets that you and RJ gave out tremendous success after a great week down there in Miami. The prop bets, how the game played out, really went all according to your guys' plan, how you laid it out. I had a little bit of a different take. A lot of narrative, a lot of anti-Jimmy G, a lot of anti-Shanahan out there. And to me, I thought it really basically came down to two plays. The third and 15 play that we just mentioned to Tyreek Hill, that a cornerback just took the wrong direction. And then Jimmy G's inability to hit a big play, which might be, hey, you can say, we talked about it. Do you trust Jimmy G? And you can break this down better than me, Fez. Do you trust Jimmy G down four, needing a score in the fourth quarter? Yeah, so Sanders wide open has, a, I would say, two steps on the closest defender. And that's a pass that 
freeze it. Jimmy G's throwing it. Yep. Any quarterback's throwing that. I believe that they complete it well over half the time or get pass interference. And I really think the, the most savvy quarterbacks say, you know what, in that situation, you cannot throw it long. Because if you throw it short, a little bit short, you probably get the pass interference where the, yeah. you get the run into the receiver when the defender can't, doesn't have time to look back because he's beaten so badly. I do want to mention about the San Francisco D getting gassed. We did see that happen week 17 when they played Seattle. Remember, San Fran had that big lead in that game. And what happened? The last four drives for Seattle on that touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. All right. Screw up on the one-yard line. Should have been four touchdowns. But, you know, getting gassed. I mean, you're going to have to come up with more data for me. Is it, you know, what are the the plays that San Francisco faced this year? You could argue the injuries. I understand them getting gassed. You know, in December when they're facing the Saints in a back-and-forth game, they're shorthanded, they're without three, four starters, and that Seattle game. But you had a bye for the wild card. You had a bye prior to the Super Bowl. You got almost all these injury guys back. That's why I'm not buying, oh, they just happen to get gas. Mainly, you know, finally, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a couple interceptions. You know, these guys, though, that came back did not play well again. Quan Alexander, right. Dee Ford, they're two most important guys that came back. They Both of those guys had below-average games once again, and Quan Alexander was off the field for quite a bit in the Super Bowl. Um, their safety tart did come back, and he was a big addition, and he did play pretty well. So I would make the case that that San Fran defense, because it appeared to be back and fully healthy, I'm not so sure that it was. I, I know you want to get to the bets and everything. I mean, just to, to, to put in perspective before the podcast here, I mean, you're just all you want to say, pretty much, Fez, is you got to mention how we did on all these bets. I got the the perfect drop for it. No edits here. The, this uh, we're gonna find it here. And you said even throw this uh, this in, right? You do you want to hear it? You want to mention how you, you you're, you're running the th- show here, my man. Whatever you, you think. Shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in. You man. All right, you man, being Steve Fezzik. I, I know you don't want to talk too much more about the game. You want to talk about betting. Let me before I talk specifically how our bets did, and we gave out a ton on the Straight Out of Vegas show. We gave out what we do three podcasts here as part of the Dream Preview leading up to it. So. There was a dozen-plus bets we gave out. Before that, you did make an in-game bet with Kansas City down 20-10. to 10. What yeah, was it? Yeah, so I bet Kansas City on the money line, plus 450 for a nickel here at one of the local shops in Vegas, the South Point. And, frankly, I was shocked that did I Did you get a South Point? Did you get – are you getting cutbacks for that? I can play RJ well. Well, you? <laughs> I did. See how I this did. Works? I'm just trying to teach you for further reference. I did man. eat at Don Vito's last night, and you know, oh my goodness, it was a good steak. All right, so you got down plus four fifty. Yes, I did. And the thinking is, oh, this is going to be square, but wh- why not think this? Kansas City's already done it twice before. We might be seeing an historic offense. We've never seen, you know, an offense with four type of uh, receivers that they have when you include uh, Kelsey and obviously the three speedsters at wide receiver and. Maybe at the quarterback position, we've never seen a guy as talented as Patrick Mahomes, so made sense to me. And what's interesting is even after they scored to make it 20-17, to 6-13 to play, almost everyone I've spoken to, said they've said, oh, I knew Kansas City was going to win at that point. It was obvious Kansas City was going to win. You still could have gotten Kansas City 2-1, to one. and I actually bet that as well um, because 
what happened, what what we could predict happened. San Francisco, a little too conservative. Casey gets the ball back. Boom. Casey takes the lead. All right. One more time. Guess who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in? You, man. All right. Hot dogging, Fez. What do we do as far as the bets? So straight, Go, out, straight out of Vegas by my own scorecard. So I may have missed a bet. So we had a prop bet show. I wasn't a part of this, so this is all RJ and Steve Fezzik. No, you, this is, your part of this is the conglomeration of two weeks of picks. Oh, it is? Okay. Exactly so right. straight out of Vegas, dream preview, and that prop bet preview show on Super Bowl Sunday. I show 13, 3, and 1. I will summarize. If time You're to go ready. down every single bet. I can do it in 30 seconds. Timing. Alright, I'm looking at the clock. Ready? Go. Yep. RJ Bell, National Anthem, under 119. Easy winner. RJ Bell, Tails. Winner, first score field goal or safety, plus 160. R.J. Bell, winner, AFC pick em. all of us, but R.J. pioneered that. Minus 110, winner. First half to outscore second half, we win. First half under 27. Second half over 27, both winners. Ten Jimmy, seconds. Jimmy, we're there. Jimmy G under 238, winner. Jimmy G more pass yards in the second half. Winner, Mahomes over 29 rush yards. We'll talk about that push. Number of passers under 2.5, win. Time. Chiefs to run the ball. Four and a half rushers. Bad beat. Screw you, Kelsey. They get five. We lose that. San Fran first quarter. That's a Brad Powers. That didn't work out. Uh, what did work out for you was Mostert. Under 16 carries. Easy winner with Coleman. Getting all the carries in the first half. Three straight scores. That's an RJ. Yes. A winner. No overtime. Easy winner. Gatorade. Purple. Lost on the purple. Gatorade. Not bad. What are some of the favorite ones you want to talk about? Because I want to talk about the Mahomes beat. Because that was one of my favorite bets. Yeah, let's talk about that. All right, so Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and this is probably the betting story probably coming out of the Super Bowl, the, the fact that it was such a horrific beat. And I think there's so many lessons to be learned from this. I think first lesson is this. Whenever you can, whenever it's available to you, especially on something where there's lower limits and, there's a, a, and you know the public's going to go one way on this prop, get in as soon as you can. Now, Patrick Mahomes rushing yards, 28 and a half. Fair, pretty much opening number, available at multiple books. Yes. I bet it at Circa. We'll name sports books here. You bet it at South Point, 28 and a half. Could only get a dime on that. After I bet it, they moved it a full yard. So I rebet it again. I thought it was that good of a prop. Bet it twice. 28 and a half was the first bet. So here's what's going on it's the final possession of the game for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes has 44 rushing yards. 44. You got what are the chances of him covering that number at that point? 100%. Well, it can't be 100%. It can be 99.5, round it up. I would say 99%. Because, I mean, are you going to, would you let me bet 100 to 1 against you? Yes. Oh, wow. All right. Yes. All right, that's fair then. So up thirty-one to twenty, ha! What do you what do you think yeah, he's going to do? Run backwards into his exactly. own end zone? It's not, do you really think he's going to get four plays off? Uh, I mean that that's remarkable to get four plays off. I mean, San, there's so many conspiracy theories. RJ brought up on Straight Out of Vegas. Hey, maybe uh, the NFL tells the coaches take all your timeouts to get more commercials in. And I mean, I'm not going that far, but I I'm, mean, I'm fine it's somewhat the, believable. I'm fine with the four downs. So let's let me do the math now. Yeah, let's every do it. time I kneel, I lose two and a half yards, yep. maybe two yards. You know what? We'll be conservative. We'll call it three yards, and let's be conservative and say, oh, 
there's going to be four plays, which is unlikely also. What Very was unlikely. Four plays times – should be two yards, but we'll make it three to be conservative. That's a worst-case scenario. 32. He, he loses 12 yards. He lands 32. So some people are going to lose that bet. But that would be more of a shame on you. You're very late to the party. Probably 25-30% of you losing And, and even that's highly unlikely. Just the Ex- fact that they, yes. just the fact that they're kneeling. They, they may not have chosen to kneel. They could have just handed it off. And you're right. Typical kneel downs are probably going to be closer to two yards than even three. If you asked me the over under two and a half, I'd probably bet the under more than the, Every, than the over. All the time. So Patrick Mahomes somehow loses five yards, three yards, and then seven yards. He loses 15 yards on three kneel downs. And then on the final one, because he's down to 29 yards. Yes, I can do my math. 44 minus 15, 29. I'm afraid he's going to take another one. Just run around and fall down. Yep, five seconds left. Instead, he throws it and incomplete. And and pretty much the only people that win were the, the people that got down (laughs) <laughs> within 24 hours of it opening up, you know, the real, and there really is a valuable lesson here because I talk about how powerful it is to be the absolute originator on things, and I could argue that we really did originate this prop. Yeah, but if you're originating, like like some people say, it's impossible to win every year betting, all right, or every season, yep. and that's simply not true. I know betters they win every year, and you're like, well, wait a minute, Fez. How come no one can ever document it? There's no one in the world that has a documented winning record. Why? Because the people win every year bet Mahomes over 28 and a half yep. rush yards. They get bets like that that are just you know so good. And consistently they beat the market and they get there when it opens. And so they're playing things like Sammy Watkins under 60 and a half rush, um, pass reception yards when the market is 49. They are getting such the better of it with the numbers that – the law of large numbers just hits in one season. They simply can't lose. Fair enough. That's Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers here. This is the Super Bowl recap dream preview edition. So Mahomes, obviously one of the worst beats we've seen all year. Uh, even I love, I'm not going to you know sit here and tell, oh, I got the best of the numbers. I got the best of the number one bet, second bet since they, they moved it a full yard on me. I lost one. So We I were both up- kicking each other for like, why didn't we just bet it over 30 and over 31? Because we knew it was just going to go up yep, to 35. Exactly. Why not? We, we really should have bet even more. That could have been a big loser. I, I mean, it already hurt enough. What are some of the other uh, prop bets, Fez, that, that, that have caught your eye? Well, I want to talk about the ones that carry forward into next year because okay. I think that's much more significant. Let's do it. So a couple of them to look for next year. We talk about this every year for those who have you know been with us. Super Bowl starts slow. Super Bowls, the teams are extremely conservative, not just to start the first half, but as we saw with Shanahan, to end the first half. Teams don't like to lose or make bad mistakes in the first half, and so – Scoring has been higher in the second half than the first half. Since the year 2000, our own McKenzie did this research. And second half scoring has been more than seven points higher than first half scoring. If you just bet the second half to exceed the first half, you're now 15-4-1 since the year 2000. So if you're going to bet this next year, that's a prop you want to bet early, not late. And, in fact, I bet this three times. I bet the first half under 27, total close 26. I bet the second half over 27 beat the market just by a slight amount because the total crashed on game day. And I bet second half to outscore first half. So I got three winners out of those um, bets. And that those are bets more often than not I make every Super Bowl. And obviously, you know, my concern coming into this year's Super Bowl is so much of that data was the New England Patriots. 
mm. who are getting off to historically slow starts. Keep in mind, in all the Super Bowls, the Patriots never scored a first-quarter touchdown. So I was a little concerned. Hey, a lot of those numbers are getting so influenced because the Patriots were a big part of almost half the sample size. The fact that we still saw it in this Super Bowl with an historically good offense in Kansas City, I agree with you, Fez. That's good moving forward. National Anthem prop. What do we see there? Yeah, so what we saw is the rehearsal started, and then one day we're driving in to do the SOV show, and, well, actually, we were in Miami, so we were... Driving? We were, we're Ubering. Ubering, yes. Yes. And Who the, paid for the Uber? You paid for the Uber. All right, just making sure. Actually, I think Fox Sports paid for the Uber. Paid for one Uber. One. And that was... Well, we're that not going to talk... might have been a mistake. Yeah, we're not going to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, let's not talk about that. that. that that's all going to flow through... Um, gain loss in their in their Uber <laughs> yeah. accounts, and they'll just get uh, yeah. like Superman three. Those pennies will be lost in the great yep. in the greater um, aspect of things. Bottom line is the anthem over under was one twenty three and a half when we got on the Uber, and then by the time we finished the show, the anthem over under was one thirteen and a half. There was some serious steam on the anthem under. On Demi Lovato? Lovato. Lovato, of course. She did an excellent job, Fez. She did. And she did an excellent job for all those who backed under because she only sang it for 110 seconds and didn't drag it out. No grandstanding, no hot hot dogging by by her. And what was interesting about the anthem, and RJ predicted this right, it leaked back up from 113. It actually closed 119. Some places had 115 and a half. I think that's public betting over. Over minus 220. Exactly. The public's like, every— all these um, singers always draw it out, and so the public comes back. And so if you don't get the first kick at the can at the under 123, you had that chance to bet under 119 on game day uh, on the anthem as well. Did you watch the halftime show? I did watch the halftime did show. Did Johnny watch the halftime show? Johnny did not watch the game or the halftime show. Really? I was just asking because there's a lot of, I don't know if you've seen these on Twitter, a lot of young boys, let's just say under the age of 10, <laughs> <laughs> their reactions to the halftime show. I don't know if you've seen any of those, but it's basically little boys becoming men after I'm, watching the halftime show. I have um, the utmost respect for Shakira's ability to sing <laughs> as well as her ability to strut. So uh, she exceeded expectations. That's Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers. Uh, I want to talk about a prop. An- another loser for me. Uh, and this was, the, I, I put this on Twitter. And I got two dimes on this one. And it was Kansas City over under rushers. We went under four and a half. I bet it right after the news of Shady McCoy being likely inactive for the game. So to me, that was a big sign that Kansas City wasn't going to use a a lot of different running backs. They didn't. Well, (laughs) how could they? They only had two, right? Yeah, exactly. They had Thompson. Yeah. Who might not? There was no lock. He was going to get a carry. Exactly, and Damian Williams. Yes, and then Patrick Mahomes counts in there, and then somehow three different wide receivers, counting Travis Kelsey, got one carry, and we lose. Travis Kelsey, who has one freaking carry in two years, two years combined, he gets a carry, and this is what happens to Brad Powers. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. I cried on that one, Fez. You know, you got to give that's a tough one. You actually have to give Andy Reid a lot of credit, and here's why: it's second down, and Kelsey they throw a dump off pass to him, and he's he's going to just fall forward, get the first down by about two and a half yards, 
And he makes the most peculiar, almost Tim Donaghy type of uh, decision-making, trying to fall down seemingly, <laughs> not getting the first down. It was the most ridiculous. Um, if I was on the field, RJ would have cut me immediately if, if that was me, not getting the first down on that play. I mean, how, how he didn't pick it up is beyond comprehension. So what, is, what does Andy Reid do the next play? Well, the defense, the last thing they'd expect is that they hand the ball to, or, or snap the ball to Kelsey because he had just screwed up the play before, and that's exactly what Andy Reid did. So caught um, the uh, Niners' defense by surprise, first down, and we go down. That was my one prop loser in my prop package. I, too, had big bets. That was Kansas my favorite. City that was under my four favorite. And, half. And, and you know what? I bet it for a zillion I bet again. it again. I'd go right back and bet it again. So any other props you want to recap? You know, I was lucky to win the under two and a half players to throw a pass. Yeah. Because Samuel got the ball and he was looking. He was looking we for very, Jimmy G. There was a lot riding on that, Fez, if you get if you know what I mean. There will be you know, I'm gonna make a bold statement and maybe like not many people are gonna understand this. That was a in one sports book. That was a half a million dollar swing, I believe. Yes. We on that one wink, prop. Wink. Maybe so, we'll get that into that in a future podcast. But I guess to sum it all up, when you go 13-3-1, Steve Fezzik and props, or at least the, the, the dream preview team, this is what Fez has to say. I'm already a multi-millionaire. And now even more so. One more comment. Uh-oh. Penalties, and I did not give this out to my clients. This is one of the props. I said, you know what? I like it. It's a strong lean because I didn't get the best of the number. There's only nine penalties, and uh, you know, McKenzie, I he was working overtime for me. He was doing all kinds of research. So, hey, McKenzie got paid. Let's just put it McKenzie. That. McKenzie he he got, got paid for that overtime, handsomely right, rewarded for. Oh yeah. There you go. So, McKen- Mr. McKenzie had 11.4 was the number of average number of penalties since the year 2000 now that's down to just right around 11 since there's only nine penalties this all makes sense because the last thing the nfl wants is for it to be a, just a bunch of yellow canaries flying throughout the super bowl so it is rarely wrong to bet the super bowl to go under in penalties it did open up at as high as 13 and a half down to 12 and a half and i'll say this if you watch keep the game, firing that is that one we fire under immediately i i think yeah. so and and, and by example, the the Kittle where he pushed off with his pinky twice, I think that that was the— Pinky? Cr- it was more than that. Fair enough. But that call was inconsistent with the way the entire rest of the game was called. If you're a Niner fan and you're upset about some of the officiating, I think you got a little bit of a gripe because that was the type of penalty that was not called all game long, but they did call it on Kittle, cost him three points at the end of the first half. It was a penalty by the letter of the law. No problem and with the call. Okay, it cost him three points. How does that change But anything? when you blast Jimmy G out of bounds— and then you and then and then you close yeah. line them in the chops, and there's no calls on those two plays. Oh my god! There's three there's three clear calls that I could make the case. If you told me what three calls and were McKenzie's the ones that stood gonna out come the on most. and say there were seven holding calls on Nick Bosa that could have been called, right? Let me just say this: Michael Lombardi before the game said, "If you're going to let the Chiefs hold and not call offensive holding, hand them the Lombardi Trophy." Uh, Fez, how many times did the Chiefs get called for holding in this game? None. Zero point zero. You know, it's interesting I guess too. You McKen- guys rest your case. McKenzie that was, was like, eleven points of difference. Yeah, 
Eleven oh points. Eleven God. points. The difference. They're almost. You guys. It's Brad. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not. I'm saying the calls were egregious. I'm not saying that a, a team that won should have lost like, or anything like that. That sounds like stuff I'd hear at the bar back home in Ohio. So Kansas City was going to be able to come from behind if they were down twenty-seven to ten and not twenty to ten. I will say this, Mackenzie. He's got a little Columbo in him. It's like I'm. I'm, I'm looking at the office and there's like this picture of um williams on the goal line where the ball is like you know like one credit card sliver into the end zone or not into the end zone it's like a millimeter either way in that third down play on the goal line to take the lead and he's got it blown up he's got like an eight by ten foot shot clearly showing that the ball is like one millimeter short he's like there's just one more thing colombo you know how can you call a touchdown and not reverse that with a play call like that right mckenzie it's just every 50-50 went the other way. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. I'm biased. I'm not going to watch it with clear eyes. And that's what we're about. Clear eyes, you know, money, making bets. So I'm, I'm glad I followed most of your guys' bets and not my heart in the 49ers. So I'm, I'm glad we made a lot of money. That's all I'll say. Fair enough. That's Mackenzie Rivers and Steve Fezzik. I want no part of that. And I'm not sure that discussion is even made if RJ's here. Is that a, an odds-on favorite? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ten to one. Fair enough. Ten to one. All right. Anything else? Prop buys. Otherwise, I'm moving on to handle. No overtime. Fifty-three and one now. But um, you know the words out on the street on this one now. I never saw words out on the street. Are you kidding me? In what way? In that the fu- public's now betting no overtime. Eight years ago, I could I could find at a place like a square shop like Harris, I could bet like minus seven hundred, minus seven fifty on no overtime. And now the best that I saw. At any of my books, I had to lay ten to make a dollar, and those were that—that that was the rare occurrence. Most places stayed north of minus a thousand, even with a pickup, a pick'em game. That's Steve Fezzik. Let's talk handle. Uh, you missed the straight out of Vegas show when we talked handle. Almost half the show on Tuesday. Fez, what were you doing that day? Study day. Study day. All right. That's funny. I don't give many study days. We'll see moving forward. Uh, let's talk Nevada. The state of Nevada, once again, a winner if you're a sports book. Not if you're a better. Poor betters here. Although, I don't know how much sympathy I got for some of you betting this. Are you freaking kidding me on this? First, let's talk handle. $155 million wagered, Fez. There was a lot of assumption out there and I, I don't think the full story is completely written on this because i think once california gets legalization as far as sports betting and really gets their act together then i think that is the significant hit to nevada's handle but we haven't seen it really yet 5.3 billion with a b 5.3 billion bet on sports in 2019 an all-time record for the state of nevada super bowl Second highest ever, $155 million, way up from last year. I just think there was some Patriots fatigue last year. But $155 million wagered, that's the second most all-time, even though you got, what, 12, 14 states up and running as far as sports betting goes. And the books, $18.8 million win and a hold percentage of more than 12%. 12%. What, what can a drunk baby do? Flipping coins? 4.5% is the house edge. So more than two and a half times as much as a drunk baby flipping coins. You know, and I got to tell you, I, I, keep, I keep hearing this year after year about how sharp the public has gotten. Oh, this public's so much sharper than they ever were. I don't see it at all, especially, especially 
on these one-time events, like when the Masters rolls around and people are betting on Tiger to win. Okay, maybe bad example. Um, but in general— Yeah, he won last year. Yes. In general, the public is just the public, and they have no idea really what they're doing. And so it's all about the handle. If you can get them to just to bet, you're in just such a great spot because here's the condemnation of the public. I'm a betting pro. It's what I do to make a living. I have contacts. I have other guys that bet to make a living on sports. I have yet to, and, and this is a shout out to anyone who is in Nevada. I'm going to say in Nevada that was betting on the Super Bowl. And I guess I'll expand even beyond Nevada, but it was easier in Nevada. If you're a guy that makes a living betting pros and you lost betting the Super Bowl, I want to hear from you. You get, a, you get a hold of me. I want to see what you played to lose on the Super Bowl because I can tell you you're not doing it correctly because we talk about like the Mahomes over the 28 and a half rush yards. But frankly, the sharp props won. There's a lot of ancillary opportunities. They won. Um, the first half went under. The second half went over. There were so many like basic strategy, good props. If you just played every player to go under, you won, which is a strategy we talk about all the time. We saw inflation with all the numbers. We saw Mahomes go up to like 312 pass yards. Um, we saw – now you, you lost uh, Tyreek Hill to go under, but you won almost everybody else to go under in terms of the big-name players. Mostert going under and the like. There was just – you, you, now, the sharp play, I mean, the, the most that we gave out. So, so if the pros are winning and there may and be a 13, third. 13, 3, and 1, what we gave out just here on the previews and straight out of Vegas. Call, say the pros are 50 million of that, 155. So if one-third of the volume, the pros, you know, instead of saying they're winning, we'll call them break-even, which is ludicrous. Even if they're just breaking even, now the public isn't losing at a 12% clip. The public's losing at an 18% clip, and the pros won. So now the public's losing at more than 20%. That, uh... How are they losing, Fez? They're not taking your advice. No one's listening to Dream Preview, I, I guess. I tell you how they're losing. They're going, I'm going back to my first, one of my first Super Bowl experiences. They're betting needle in the haystack props. And the first bet I saw a guy um, publicly talk, not publicly talk about, but talk about it in a book, was when Denver was down 27 nothing, I believe, or 28 nothing against San Francisco. The game ends. He holds up a ticket. First player to score, Sammy Winder. And I'm like, what was that? 20 to 1? It's 5 to 1. And he's like, I can't believe I blew a buck on Sammy Winder. Good Lord. Yeah, I was talking to a few square people, and I was just, you know, I always ask because I I like to get a feel for what the public's doing, and they are betting that. First player to score, MVP-type odds. And even though I can't emphasize enough, why are you playing that? They, They look at me like I'm just, like, from another planet. They think, oh, I just think there's value. I I've won in the past, and I just want to say... No, you haven't. You haven't won. Well, you won one time. That's the one you remember. It's not the other three times that you lost. I just... Even on Twitter, I see tickets like, oh, San Francisco to score exactly 20 points or Kansas City to score exactly 31. I got that one right. There was one guy. Yeah, one guy got both. But here's what they don't report. And, and this is where I agree with RJ when he gets so mad at some of the people covering sports betting. I agree with them here. I mean, what? why is the question not asked, well, is that, the, is that all the guy bet? Was just those two, to, uh, you know, San Francisco to score 20 or Kansas City score 31. They report on the win that this guy had it, but they're not reporting the full story, in my opinion. I'm sure he bet 15 different scores, right, Fez? Exactly. Just like a poker pro database. You see this all the time. Well, lifetime earnings of $12 million. Uh, what's the net earnings? Because this yes. guy's playing everything, every single event in the World Series of Poker. 
uh, there's the three thousand buy-in, there's the ten thousand buy-in, there's the twenty-five thousand dollar buy-in, and I can tell you a lot of these poker players that have multi-million dollars to their name, they um, they really haven't done nearly as well as you would think. And, and some people have come at me and said, "Well, Fez, you've got almost a million dollars in contest winners. How about <laughs> your losers?" And to, to which I respond, "Well." You know, how many contests do you think I enter each year, you know, in terms of the sports betting contest? And the answer to that is that uh, usually typically like three or four. That's that's the maximum. Probably not enough. Fess. You got to get that over a million. You need to win one more, man. I know. You know, the problem is, you know, the, the, it's a J-O-B to put in contest picks because you got to put them in close to the deadline. And you oh, know yeah, about yeah. this. You've cashed yeah, the, the gold nugget the yep. last the last two years. Did really well last year, fourth place. And I, I put them in at the absolute latest time possible, which means I'm th- I got to be down there Friday night every Friday. Yeah, and so all of a sudden you're you're compromised yep. in terms of the other stuff you're doing. So I use an example: the Westgate, their deadline Saturday morning. I think it's eleven a.m. Uh, how the how in the world can we bet in college football live and be at the Westgate? I can. Then they're like, well, just get a proxy, which I could. But now I, I still got to get my picks to the proxy. I got to make sure he's there. I got to sweat over that. I got to pay the proxy. You get where I'm going. It just nah, becomes you know, too I many know. levels. I think you're not thinking the next level here. Think about the marketing. You win one more contest. It doesn't have, I mean, I obviously, to win the Super Bowl or the Super Contest now is just, it's more like a lottery now with how many people are entering. But just think if you were to win a nugget or something, Fez, what that would do for your brand. You're yeah. not thinking enough of that. Well, if the nugget let me bet more anything right now because I'm barred from the nugget, gold nugget. So um, it would be very hard for me to endorse them, nor would I think that they'd be a fan of me winning the contest and giving interviews. And when asked about how I felt about the book, responding, I don't know. I'm not allowed to play here. I guess the moral of the story, once again, for Steve Fezzik, who says, I ain't got time for those contests. I'm already a multi-millionaire. Don't have time to get another one. Let's uh, anything else on the Super Bowl? I think we covered it. All right, let's talk next year's Super Bowl. Odds are out already. No surprise here. In fact, you know, I will say it's a little surprise. I thought it, the number comes shorter. Kansas City, your favorite. That's not a surprise. But plus six fifty. I would have guessed that'd been five to one, Fez. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because. There were two teams that I, when I looked at it, that Baltimore was eight to one, Kansas City plus six fifty, and I was like, you know what? Can't see those going up at all. Those got to come down, right? I mean, yeah, it has to. I mean, Mahomes is to me, he's his career is still on the upward trajectory. They're not going to owe him forty million unless they really sign something this offseason. There's words, uh, you know, things on that, but he's still on his rookie uh, contract. Right now, they haven't really lost anything. And keep in mind, he was compromised for four or five games this year. How's it get worse for them when Tom Brady's only getting older in the AFC? Roethlisberger's on his way out. Uh, I mean, I just don't see how they're not <laughs> in the AFC championship again. And you also go back, this is a team that's a D Ford offsides away from making it back-to-back Super Bowl. Dynasty. Kansas yes. City and Baltimore, my final power ratings, KC yeah. better. Both of those teams... Almost a touchdown clear of the third best team in the NFC, ah. and that was New England, who we would expect to get worse, yep. and then and then Tennessee, who I don't think is going to get any better. Nope. Let's keep checking down here, and we go all the way down to the Houston's and the Buffaloes of the world, barely better than an average team. I think we're going to see Baltimore and Kansas City as a uh, projected AFC title game next year. 
Yep. And it'll be very interesting to see how defensive coordinators with an entire offseason to combat Lamar Jackson. See how that works. be very interesting to see if he's able to get through another year and stay healthy. That's Steve Fezzik. Ravens, 8-1 to one after the Chiefs as far as Super Bowl 2020 odds. 49ers, 9-1 to one 2020 season, which is in, played in the year 2021. Patriots 12 to 1. Fez, RJ mentioned this. I agree. I'll have to look back, but that has to be their longest odds as far as this time of the year in probably 15 years. You know, it has to be. And I have to chuckle a little at all this Tom Brady talk about, oh, we got to get Garoppolo out of there and get Brady in there. And, you know, I got Brady going into next year beat about the 20th best quarterback. Wow. That puts him right uh, with Goff and Winston and Rivers and Mayfield and Josh Allen. So uh, how is that going to help San Francisco win a Super Bowl to replace Jimmy G with the worst quarterback? Brace. They're going to argue, oh, 49ers got better, much better weapons than the Patriots. Yeah. Tom but Brady's, I think that but Tom Brady's a year older. Yeah, and I'm sure there were people that thought Kenny Stabler was going to be able to lead the uh, Houston you know, Oilers to the Super Bowl. That didn't happen either. How are you feeling after each football season, year older? I feel good. That's good. I got, I, got, I got three bottles, stop, stop. a dye in my hair, and <laughs> not one gray hair. That's Steve Fezzik. Brad Powers. <laughs> I'm not so much. <laughs> Just being truthful. Uh, Saints, 15 to 1. Those are your five favorites. Chiefs, I'll whoa, read Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Wait, what? I, you can't get away. You're not feeling so good. Why are you not feeling good? Well, I mean, I just played the drop. Do I got to play it again? Wasn't a good season for Brad Powers. I mean, I, 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 I'm i sorry. I'm not. Hold on. We're going to get the drops in. I mean, I hate. This can't be a dry show without, you know, RJ here. So we're, we're going to get him in. And th- I, I I mean, I'm not Steve Fezzik. I'm not the kiss stealing. Kiss stealing. Woo! Wheel of dealing. Limousine running. Jet flag. Son of a gun. I'm not that. But. I mean, after the Super Bowl, even I lost a couple of the prop plays. I mean, I'm not feeling so good, Fez, because I didn't have a good season. I mean, I think most people know that. I cried. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. And when you cry, I mean, you're not feeling so well, right? You you had like a – what did you hit in the NFL this year, 56%? Mm, 54 or something. Hmm. Let's not get into that. College was bad. Anything else on the Super Bowl here? We're we got about twenty two minutes left. I'm sticking to this hour of powers, power hour. Here. You know, I'm going to make a case for we were all in Miami. Yeah, I was in Atlanta the year before. Keep the Super Bowl in a warm weather site. It's um, it's a celebration <laughs> of the year. It's an it, it, the fans can revel in it. Don't have Super Bowls in New York or Minnesota or Indianapolis. Keep it in Florida. Keep it in California because <laughs> I, I I loved Miami and being on the beach. And the contrast with Atlanta. How'd that help your betting? It didn't help my betting. All right. No. We're just being honest here. But it was nice to walk the boardwalk. Me and Fez walked the boardwalk hand in hand. Just picture that for you out there. Oh, listening. you know, you gotta tell the story about <laughs> you gotta tell the story about how we felt we were gonna be attacked. Go ahead. Oh, there's this player. This is unbelievable. So it's at night. It's uh what was it about eight, nine o'clock at yeah. night? Walking the boardwalk, because, I mean, we checked temperatures. It was the only place in the United States that you could have been outside, T-shirt, shorts, at night, walking. And you could hear the waves. You had, like, the, what do they call it, the, 
the mangroves around there growing up on the boardwalk in Miami Beach. And there's this guy running right at us. Big dude. Shirt off. And uh, we'll call him African-American. And that no dig whatsoever, but I'm saying he was probably 6'2", 240. It's like a linebacker bearing down us. Yeah. 100 yards, 80 yards, 60 yards. And then when he gets to 50 yards... He starts, he starts yelling. Yeah, he's screaming. Ah! I mean, I don't know about you, Fest, but the old ticker of mine was skipping a little bit of a beat. I was just trying to calculate if I could outrun you. That old story. That had been close. Can't outrun him. Yeah. And, and apparently the guy was just doing sprints on right. the boardwalk, which I didn't understand because there's a little bit of sand on the boardwalk. I, I mean, I'm so, I'm getting, I mean, I'm only 36, but geez, I already got this old man mentality, I guess. But I was thinking, I was like, geez, I don't think the boardwalk's that good of a place to, to do these sprints with the sand. I'd be slipping. I mean, this guy was all out sprint right at us. 6'2", 240. Shirt off, muscles. Can a brother sprint? What's that? Can a brother sprint? What was that off of? No, I'm just asking. Can a brother just sprint and you know, have fun at, with his shirt off? You know, eight o'clock at night, right at me and Fez. You know, he just got off work. He had a long day. You know, I He's, guess so. But the screaming's what got me. <sighs> I don't know, man. It was like Arnold screaming at the end of Predator. Remember when he called out the Predator? He had that mm. thing that that fire in his hand. That if you want to imagine what the screaming was like, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator type of scream. And I was, we're not not a high high pitched rap house. Ah, it was like <laughs> I was feeling. What was that, Billy? Like a little bit like him. I was just going to put like a little X on my on my chest and just say it's over. Yeah, I have no chance against this I, guy. What What's it like when they they say just play dead when a bear or something attacks wow. you? <laughs> if I could not run fast, that's what I would have done. Just play dead. <laughs> Let's move along. Good story, Fez. Light lighthearted there. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. We're gonna move. Because we're limited on time. I want to keep it to the time here because this is what we're going to start doing here as far as the dream preview. We'll talk more Super Bowl loser hangover, the misperception of that. If you want to check out Straight Out of Vegas, we really broke this down well. Mackenzie did the research. Check out the Straight Out of Vegas podcast. You'll be surprised as far as the recent trend of the Super Bowl loser hangover. Is there a hangover effect anymore? Research might contradict that a little bit. And uh, we obviously broke down because I think there's some questions, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, on a couple podcasts in the offseason. Jimmy G, Shanahan. You know, I do want to hit on Shanahan. Where, where do you come on Shanahan's decision-making, Fez? I think it was fine at the end of the first half that he did not call a timeout when Kansas City was punting. Okay. I don't think it was fine once the punt goes out of the end zone. You know me, Brad. I'm a live wagering expert. And at that point... Sanford has the ball in the 20. There's about a minute and a half left, a little less. The offense is favored in almost every case to score over the defense. So if you said, if I'm live wagering, would I be willing to lay minus 145 on San Fran? Yes, up to probably bet that level. Wouldn't lay like minus eighty. If you're the favorite to score at that point, why are you just running the ball and trying to run out the clock? Why not go ahead and try to score. And the best evidence I can give, if you bet Kansas City pick them in the first half or the game, what do you want San Francisco to do? Please, just run the ball. Let's get into half equal. You're, you're so happy if you're a Kansas City coach, if you're a Kansas City fan, or a Kansas City better, and that basically tells you 
if you're San Francisco, you should be more aggressive. And moving forward, are there concerns with Shanahan as far as you're concerned? I think so because of the Atlanta debacle. So now it's happened twice that when he was the— Concerns in the high-leverage, high-stakes games like playoffs— or are you just concerned in any other time? Or you think it's specific to maybe the Super Bowl I think it's or championship specific game. to the high stakes, biggest game. Specifically, if he goes back to the Super Bowl, here comes the question. Well, you've been a part of a team that had a 98% chance to win the Super Bowl and a 94% chance at your high water marks in both games, and you have no rings. How do you feel about that? Not good. And Steve Fezzik, Dream Preview, Super Bowl 54 recap. Uh, real quick. I don't think I got anything else, really, actually. That's going to wrap the Super Bowl. It's a wrap? No edits here on the Dream Preview. Let's talk XFL. That's a Vince McMahon thing. Just watch uh, the first XFL game, which was right here in Vegas. Now, we talked a lot last year, if memory serves correct. A lot. Like, a lot more than I thought we would. The Alliance... Of what was it, Alliance of American Football League? AAF. Yes, AAF. sir. AAF. You bet. You were like heavily involved with that, Fez. League folded up. Not, I think not a shock there. I think the XFL, I'm not predicting it to be a major success. But, I mean, you just look at their TV uh, contracts. I mean, they're, they're on Fox, ESPN, and ABC Saturday and Sunday afternoon. I mean, it's about as good of as a TV contract as far as exposure as anything, even I mean, I'll even throw college football in there. It's it's pretty legitimate with the you know Fox, uh, ESPN, and ABC backing it up. I'm anxious with you because there's odds out. I people are getting excited. You can bet who's going to win the first title. A week one starts up this week. Fez, how much are you going to be involved? It all depends how many books are going to deal this and what the limits are going to be. Because right now I'm looking at my odd screen. And I show five books right now doing it. So Out of 29. Out of the 29. So I'm showing William Hill, Caesars, Westgate, five dimes. They have lines up. And that's good. But most of these places aren't going to take big bets. Although I will say this. I went to one of these establishments, and I went to bet a dime, and they took it today. So on now, an XFL game. On an XFL side. No I didn't get that up. bet. Well, I had to get down myself first. Mm. But you didn't. Text me after you bet it. I didn't get that. What happened to the partnership? We had such a good Super Bowl together, Fez. Spent all that quality time in Miami. And then we came back to Vegas, and we had a good Super Bowl betting, taking advantage of a specific book for a lot of money. And it's right back to Fez shenanigans. Yep, I went out and bet the New York Guardians, and I did not tell you about it. Jeez. And Fez, you know, concerned, ah, forget that nickel. Forget that dime. (laughs) This is Steve Fezzik. I'm already a multi-millionaire. If I can't get down five dimes or ten dimes, not even worth my trouble. Forget that nickel and dime crap. You know right, that Fez? that is no incorrect. All right, incorrect. I am. I, so a why lot not? People, are you in on this? Because there was a plus three, and that was like only a one book. All right. So All you, right. Just, you just bet an outlier. Yeah, although I don't think the th- I'm having fun with I you. I don't think the three is going to matter. I don't know. Have if have you guys looked at the rules of this crazy league? This is. We got like two minutes for me to summarize some of the stuff yep. going on. By what I read, yeah, we're good. The there's going to be a 25 second play clock. Going to have to be very fast paced. That's good for the over. 
Probably, but when the leagues first start up, will that 25-second play clock result in a lot of uh, delay of game penalties on the offense and the offense not having time to get their plays in? More interesting to me is two forward passes are allowed. So as long as you throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and I remember this was the, the rules we had at Northwestern when I played intramural flag football, that you could throw two forward passes. So that's, that's cool. Uh, that's got to help the offense. The kickoffs. Guess where they're kicking the ball off from? Uh, 10 yard line. The 35 yard line. So always touchbacks. No. Because oh, they're going to onside kick it. No, because they're not kicking. Yeah, they're kicking it from the other 35. Oh, so they're really? kicking so they're thir- kicking away 35 yards from the goal line and my understanding what I, my expectation is there's going to be an onside kick yeah. on every kickoff basically so that should be super exciting holy ca- really and they this is what i read from the rules so All i want right. to see the first game so what i what i heard is you actually one team's going to line up on the 35 the other team's going to their defenders would have to be on the 30 along with the guys back by the goal line yeah and then you got to disclose hey we're going to kick off we're going to try an onside kick all right yep they you're not allowed to kick it in the end zone, though. So if you kick off, you're going to kick off to, like, the 10. Um, but if you, if you disclose, hey, we're doing an onside kick, then everyone backs up to the 25, and they do the onside kick. And also, when they kick off, no one's allowed to move on the 35 and the 30 until either three seconds go by or the, rece- How do you enforce or the receiving team has possession of the ball. So I don't know if the team's going to count one steamboat, two steamboats, three steamboats. They're just standing around. I, you got to see this. So. This is going to be just like crazy. Have we seen any rules. movements as far as the totals? Well, there because, are no totals because no one knows how to price this. It's so complicated. That's good. And remember, calling back to the AAF, a lot of money on the under, right? It, yes, and it's rarely wrong. Remember the AAF? Oh, this is going to be the most exciting league you've ever seen. Quarterback play sucks. Quarterback play is terrible. And... You want, I'm trying to think what the, you know, I've got the memory of a goldfish when it comes to a league that folds, but um, there were just no good quarterbacks. There was some lousy weather in the, um, in the winter and spring. Yeah, they um, had a Salt Lake City team. Yes, there was snow in one Salt Lake City game. They had a team in Georgia, a team in Florida that had to go to Georgia to, to, to practice, practice to get yes. insurance. The AF was, had problems. So the bottom line is if you can price these XFL totals, you're sharper than I, but I would be surprised. Even with these Probably funky won't rules, see anything until week two. I think we will. Total, I, I'm gonna disagree. Will. I think low limits, but I, I'd be surprised if you bet under on all four games if you didn't wind up um, going two and two or better. That is Steve Fezzik. Is that it with the XFL? That's it. Let's talk Major League Baseball. We're gonna get to a lot. And just uh, FYI, I think we're gonna go overtime. Maybe ten minutes. That's all. I mean, for those of you that have listened to our three and four hour pods, I think you could do an hour ten. So we will probably go 10 minutes over because I want to talk a little college football. But first, let's talk Major League Baseball. Big tread. Tread. Trade. Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. Uh, How are you pricing this, Fez? Because you got to bet on this. Yeah, this is a fire sale for the Red Sox where they jettisoned Mookie Betts, the MVP from two years ago. He was worth over 10 wins in 2018, worth just under seven wins in 2019, down year for him, but still a fine year. And they jettisoned David Price, uh, World Series hero. And Price still has some game left in him, but he's getting paid over 30 mil a year. So what happened is the Red Sox said, you know, Dodgers, you can have him. But um, the Dodgers said, we'll take him, but you got to pay half his salary. And the Red Sox said, deal, because they want to go ahead and get rid of a lot of this um, 
compensation off their books. And I really think that this is a, an example of a team that is absolutely telling you, hey, 2020, this is a transition year. We had the, the blow up with our manager, with the cheating. They don't even have a manager still. Still, still interviewing who's going to replace yeah. Alex Cora. You've got um, Mookie Betts gone, David Price gone. They get back Verdugo from the Dodgers, who's a capable but nothing special outfielder. And I'm shocked. I'm just shocked by this number. So the number uh, is 88 to 80, 88 and a half for the Red Sox for their season wins. If you remember, they only won 84 games last year. Chris Sale was a shell of himself, horrible last year. And their season win number drops two. It goes down to 86 to 86 and a half on this news. Now, this news happened last night. We're taping on Wednesday. So Tuesday night happened at 7 p.m. My phone is blowing up with texts. Then my cell phone starts ringing. I was busy. And then my home phone, the bat phone, my friends know, don't call this line. It's actually my second line which never rings. And it's my sports betting buddy, Jared, who I work with. And he's like, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you ignoring me? Tells me there's just been a trade. Get down as much under 88 on the Red Sox as you physically can, because he couldn't believe that the books weren't adjusting. The news had just come out and the books yeah. were paying attention to like, Hey, what's the second half line supposed to be on the Elon game? You know, that they, they were, just- oh, I don't think they're that, but they're probably paying attention to the NBA. Yes. Bigger game board. And remember, the A-team's already gone home. It's 7 yeah. o'clock Pacific. And look, a lot of people probably take a reduced, uh, you know, after they grade all the props in the Super Bowl, probably a lot of the A-guys take a couple days off, right? Yeah. A lot of the A-sportsbook manager, a lot of the, it's not unusual for the A-betters to take some time off. I went golfing. Ooh, that's a good point. See, right there, if I had this drop, that'd be the only in dreams. Only in so, dreams. Only in dreams. And, you know, RJ asked, this would be the answer. When we can talk about this later in the week on why it was sitting up there, I think we just hit it home. The sportsbook managers, the A-team's probably not there. And you're right, even some of the betters after a six-month grind when it comes to football probably take this week off. Yeah, and if they're not taking the week off, it's it's, it's limited. They're not looking at screen late hour at night. Week. Yeah, it, it's 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yep. And, you know, an eerily similar was, remember when Luck retired. You had a window of opportunity. You could play the Colts under nine and a half yeah. and even under 10 wins if you just so happened to be lucky enough to be working. And it's, you could argue. I, you know what? I don't have any sympathy there. If I, memory serves, wasn't the Florida-Miami game that night, college football week zero, when that news was breaking in the middle of that game? If you weren't at least watching that game, I mean, come on. Are you a pro? No, wait a minute. There's, so Because there's two games on a Saturday, two. You're telling me the last Saturday night, if you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, you can tell Brad Powers is not a family man at all. He's like, he just doesn't get it that the average person that's married with children is about to be like, like missing his family for the next 13 Saturday nights. Oh, got to watch Miami, Florida. Six million people watched it. It was a huge rating. Divorce rate rising as we speak. I mean, are you kidding me? Get out of here. Hmm. I mean, that's why a lot of those guys got duct tape shoes. Bet the over. Not on willing the, to sacrifice the family. Bet the over on the Brad Power's wedding date dates. Oh, my. My goodness. I mean, come on. All right. Anything Bottom, else? Yes. You, you want to give it out? I want to give it out. Best bet, Fez. Best bet. Okay, I'm the dirtiest player in the game. The Red Sox, is, are they going to have a horrible year, and I'm happy because I'm down on under 88 and 88 and a half wins. But you know what? Red Sox aren't going to win 88 games. They're not going to win 87 games, and they're not going to win 86 games. I'm going to make a bold prediction that their Red Sox season win number closes south of 84. This is just going to get 
Everyone who does the work and the analysis is going to come, come to the same conclusion. It's a fire sale in Boston. It's a lost year. Under 86.5 wins for the Red Sox. Um, they only won 84 this year, They only right? won 84 this past year. So maybe miraculously, you know, Chris Sale, who was a fire sale last year, a, a dumpster file compared to how he normally is, maybe he'll regain his form. I don't see it. And I think the players' attitudes in the locker room are like, good grief, who's next to get traded now? Red Sox under, best bet. That's Steve Fezzik. Real quick, updated odds, because there has been significant movement in the futures market for Major League Baseball. No surprise, Yankees and Dodgers now your favorites. Yankees 3-1, to one, Dodgers 3.5-1. to one. Both teams, right after the World Series, were trading 6-1. to one. Astros... A sell on them, five to one down to eight to one. I think eight to one isn't isn't down enough in my opinion. Red Sox, the biggest mover, twelve to one right after the World Series was over at the end of October. Now forty two to one to win the World Series. Fez, best bet under eighty six and a half. Red Sox bonus best bet. We'll go Dodgers over a hundred. Dodgers won one oh six last year. I know the last couple years the Pythagorean. Theorem in terms of the runs scored says the Dodgers actually should have had even better records than they had. And now that they got Mookie and David Price and they're all in, they'll probably look to get another acquisition during the year because they haven't won a World Series since 1988. The Dodgers are all in. They're going to win 100-plus games, go over 100 L.A. Dodgers. Let's move to some college football before we get to Dave Essler's best bet and my best bet. Wrapping up the last 10 minutes here. We'll keep it close to an hour. Couple of big stories this week in college football. You know that's my baby doll. That's my favorite uh, sport, at least to discuss. I better win this year. Let's put it that way. Uh, big news: Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio steps down the night before signing day. That is, let's just say, a little peculiar to say the least. On top of it. It's just 20 days after he collected a $4.3 million retention bonus, and he's out of town. Third thing, there's a lot of reports coming out that there's possible NCAA, maybe even major violations committed by him, and that news started to break the night before he resigned. So not an ideal situation, to say the least, for Mark D'Antonio, who at one time I would have put – if there was five coaches in college football that I wanted to make a bet on, I think Mark D'Antonio for a long time was one of those coaches. Fez, do you disagree with that? I don't disagree, but after having bet big on Michigan State to go over seven half wins, I hope that not only <laughs> – I, I, let's just hope that he takes that uh, retention bonus and uh, drops it on the blackjack tables here in Vegas. And solid job. McKenzie putting it up on the board here. Mark D'Antonio finished his career – Coached 13 years at Michigan State, 51% against the spread. However, just 40% against the spread the last four years, falling short of expectation by three and a half points per game. So prior to the last four years, he was certainly one of the more profitable head coaches in college football, particularly in the underdog role. But that program is certainly taking a step back, not only on the field, off the field. It isn't just these recent NCAA violations, there's a whole Larry Nasser thing that's going on, multiple player arrests. And I honestly, look, for as much as we bang on Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, that also significantly impacted Michigan State. 
He's not beating up on Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke anymore. That changed. Penn State's better than what they were at the end of the Joe Pa era and the uh, scholarship reductions that they had to start off, uh, you know, James Franklin's era. So somebody's got to lose in that division. And I don't like Michigan State moving forward. Now, I make bold predictions. I did predict who Washington State was actually going to hire. I said it, predicted it straight on Vegas, that they would go out and hire Nick Rolovich, A-plus hire for them. The A-plus hire that for Michigan State, I think, is Luke Fickle. He's the Cincinnati head coach. But I'm wondering, with this whole NCAA hovering around him, it's not good timing. You're already one month behind uh, the eight ball here as far as when normal coaches are hired. In fact, it's probably six weeks. I'm not sure he takes a job. I think he'd be the perfect candidate with uh, all his ties to Ohio, Michigan, and whatnot. But uh, I'm not sure Luke Fickle takes his job. And if he doesn't, then... I think Michigan State maybe goes to like a Pat Narduzzi for Pittsburgh, but I think that would be a step down for Michigan State if they don't get fickle. That's enough with college football on that front. One other college football story, signing day as we're taping this. Today was National Signing Day. A couple of stories, three quick ones here, and then we'll get to my best bet and get you guys out the door. Number one story for me, looks like Georgia's going to sign the number one recruiting class. I'll say this. Kirby Smart has to start putting up or shutting up. And he's won a lot of games. He's made, you know, got Georgia the SEC championship game three straight years. They've gotten to the, the you know, the playoffs. They got within, what, one play win the national championship. But sooner or later, you got to make that final step because as we enter the 2020 season, at least from the last four-year recruiting average, Georgia arguably will have the most talented roster in college football after finishing number one in recruiting this year. Speaking of high recruiting ranking, Clemson. This is remarkable. I know Clemson's, uh, Clemson and Alabama have been the two dynasties in college football the last five, six years. Obviously, Alabama a little bit longer than that, going back 10-plus years. But Clemson, prior to today, never signed a top-five class. In fact, they've only signed two top-ten classes prior to today. They signed the number-three class, best class ever for Clemson football so if you think and Clemson's going to slow down anytime soon you're sorely mistaking uh Clemson's the favorite heading into this upcoming season any thoughts on that Fez well just strength of schedule obviously Clemson gets a layup through the season so that's a big advantage exactly and uh at Notre Dame is probably their toughest game this upcoming season that's in November one other story gotta feel they could lose that game hey and still dude, I'll bet you chance. right now I'll lay I'll lay seven right now. I'll lay ten. Oh, I'll take the Irish plus ten. All right. Hold on. We need a bet. We haven't had a bet. All right. What do you want to bet? Nickel? Sure. Nickel. Oh, my goodness. Fast. When was the last time Notre Dame was a double-digit dog at home? Mm, good point. Let me think. Mackenzie, do you know how to query Re- that? Reggie Bush game? Yeah, probably. Uh... Definitely that one. I'm trying to think of one maybe later. Mm. Number one team hasn't come to South Bend since that game. I think that's the last time the number one team came to South Bend was that game. And that I thought that line was closer to like nine. I thought some people took the Irish there uh, once they saw many, the grass. Many, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. many have mentioned Texas being like the best team that year. They won the national championship. Yeah. And uh, Texas was a seven point underdog today. And we're USC down 38 team. to 26 in that game with about six minutes left. So USC was seven points better than the greatest football team of all time. I still, I still kind of like the 01 
Miami Hurricanes. I think they're the most talented team. And, man, that 95 Nebraska team was really good. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm old school in the trenches. Uh, one other take. This is a bad look for USC. Speaking of USC, the last time the Notre Dame was a 10-point uh, home dog was a 2009 against the uh, Trojans. All right. They covered that game. La- hold on, hold on. I'll give you a score. They did cover. I'll give you a score, 34-27. Exactly. We'll have to play that game. I could probably go through 30-plus years of Notre Dame football mm-hmm. and give you an exact score on every game. That's not good. Not healthy. <laughs> I think it's good. Another reason why Brad Powers single, ladies and gentlemen. And one other, speaking of SC, number 54 recruiting class. Fez, you, me, McKenzie, Matt, RJ, Sleepy, bunch of people get together. You don't think we could sign the number 54 class out of SC without even taking a plane ride? I thought we were going to be the number 54 class. <laughs> I mean, are you? Yeah, I mean, what in the hell is going on in, in L.A.? Number 54 by far, keep the, to put this in perspective, SC had never signed a class, a recruiting class. Say what you want about recruiting rankings outside the top 20, the number 54 class. That's what happens when you got about 15 months of a head coach being on the hot seat. And here's the real problem, because you didn't fire him this year, you're going to have another bad cl- class next year. And unless you get an Urban Meyer that can basically come in and win wherever wherever he's at, he can win right away. Unless you get a guy like that, I don't have much optimism for SC. Now, I do like the team coming back this upcoming year, but, oh, my goodness, moving forward, even the new head coach is going to have some issues. All right, enough college football. Thank you for obliging me. Five, six, seven minutes there. Thank you for McKenzie for looking that up. Best bet for me, college basketball, and it gives me a good time. College basketball. Uh, dream preview podcast that I do with AJ Hoffman. McKenzie's a part of it. He gives out his NBA best bets. Esler's a part of it. Sleepy's a part of it, giving out best bets. You can listen to that. We will post that each and every Tuesday and Friday. We record on Mondays and Thursdays, and you get them on Tuesdays and Fridays. I took a week off. I was in Miami, and I didn't feel like doing it on Monday. But you can listen to those each and every week. We'll get that covered all the way through the national championship game. My best bet, before I get to it, got to listen to my girl. And I'm going to the big college basketball game on Saturday, and it is the best rivalry in college basketball, Duke and North Carolina. And I'm going to take North Carolina, the home dog here, by price for me as long as you can get anything eight or above. Now the Ken Palm stats out there, the Sagarin stats out there, are going to say maybe North Carolina getting double digits. I think some of those are going to impact the line here. Why? I don't think you can trust North Carolina's full-season power rating because they played half the season without their best player. Not only the best player on their team, but one of the best players in the entire country. His name's Cole Anthony. He's a 20-point-per-game type of guy, a surefire lottery pick. He's the son of former UNLV guard uh, Greg Anthony, really good player who missed 11 games. North Carolina in those 11 games went 4-7 and seven without him. And what happened is everybody is listened all year long. North Carolina, historically bad season against the spread of all the major teams. 
This year, North Carolina, the worst team out of any major team as far as against the spread, 7-15 and 15 against the number. But I'm here to tell you those days are over. North Carolina with Anthony back. He's been back a couple of games. Actually, they started their improvement, at least as far as the market is concerned, even before Anthony came back here recently. North Carolina's covered four of their last five games. If they are going to get up for any game, it's going to be this one at home against their arch rival, Duke. And when you still got a lot of talented players on that roster, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder being a big home dog because I went back 15 years. That's as much as the database goes back. North Carolina is going to be in their biggest home underdog role ever this weekend. I like North Carolina. Buy price for me is anything eight or above it. Best bet for me, North Carolina plus eight. What do you think of that? I like it. North Carolina in their last eight games, I believe two overtime losses and a one-point loss to Boston College. So whenever you see a team that is losing, but um, they've been losing coin flip games, typically it is rarely wrong to back that team going forward. And guess what? I am not going to wrap this podcast up as far as best bets. Coming in on Friday night in the NBA Dave Essler has a best bet on the Suns. Let's give it a listen. Here we are in the first week of February, and we probably already know seven or even eight of the NBA playoff teams in both conferences. At some point in the season, the NBA always gets to this point. I think this year it's much sooner than usual, which means not only will some teams experiment or trade, but I think more importantly, the better teams are just not going to bring the intensity night after night. But the good teams will continue to get even more expensive to bet on, Value will shift more to the underdogs, in particular, home underdogs. That's exacerbated by the fact that even though most teams have been trying, there's only four teams in the Eastern Conference with a road record above 500. In fact, if the season ended today, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Orlando would be the six through eight seeds in the East with a combined road record of 26 and 49. With that in mind, there's a situation Friday that fits these parameters that I'll be betting. Houston is at Phoenix. It should be about minus eight. The better news is Phoenix will be rested. Houston plays the Lakers Thursday night. Houston plays fast. Fatigue could be an even bigger factor. Houston's just three games over 500 on the road. You got Capella and Westbrook that have been hurt. Houston's lost four of the last five back-to-back games. Phoenix might suck, but at some point, everyone has value, and the Suns have the value at home Friday against Houston. All right, that's Dave Essler on the Phoenix Suns on Friday night. Fezzik, great podcast. Just you and me. Didn't know that was going to be the case until prior, just prior to the show. So I think we did a decent job. Certainly we missed RJ. Mackenzie Rivers in the house. Matt Christensen in the house as far as production goes. That's going to pretty much do it. You got any final thoughts? Just a big shout-out. Thank you to Mackenzie Rivers. We had a great Super Bowl. I just Super gave him Bowl. a shout-out. Well, no, yeah, I'm giving him mean, Come on. No, I'm giving him because he, Mackenzie did a lot of research, personal research for me during the Super Bowl. Personal. Helped us win, and I am extremely grateful. It's funny. Appreciate he's you, on, he, he, He's on the Fezzik payroll. It's funny how <laughs> this guy. My goodness. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm Brad Powers. You can follow Fezzik at Fezzik Sports. That's F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7 on Twitter. That'll do it for the college Football, NFL, Super Bowl 54, Major League Baseball, preview edition that we just uh, went down. Bunch of sports. We'll talk to you guys next week.
Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.